Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. We're thankful to have you with us here on the program this morning. This is Elder David Wise here with you, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. And we're happy to share time on the program with our dear friends at Sulphur Springs Church and their pastor, Joe Nettles from Caledonia, Mississippi. We would invite you to come worship with us, whether you're in Ackerman or in Caledonia. We worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And we also have a joint combined worship service in Starkville, Mississippi at the Laquita Inn on Highway 12, 6 p.m. every Wednesday night. So we'd love to see you in worship. You can go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com to find a church that may be closer to you and to see a more cumulative church directory of Primitive Baptist churches across the country. And we would love to hear from you. I would advise you to contact us and send us an email and you can find our email address on that website. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know that you're out there and that you're benefiting from our efforts here on the program. This morning, we would like to continue our thoughts from the model prayer, so you can be turning to Matthew chapter 6 as we look once again at the model prayer for the disciples as given us by Jesus Christ there on the Sermon on the Mount. So we hope you can stay tuned with us here on the program, and we'll bring that message to you right after this hymn.
Good morning. We're very thankful to have you with us here on the Gospel of Grace Radio broadcast. We'd invite you to turn back with us to Matthew chapter 6, and we'd like to conclude our thoughts from the Model Disciples Prayer from Matthew chapter 6 as we've tried to consider the teaching of Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, how is it that we're supposed to approach the throne of grace? And we want to conclude our thoughts with the last few phrases of that prayer, that model prayer here this morning. We'd like to read Again, the whole model prayer for you, beginning in verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We'll consider this last verse, these last few phrases of verse 13 this morning. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. First of all, we need to be reminded of the fact that God does not actively lead us into temptation. James chapter 1 and verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. We're also told in the book of Habakkuk that God cannot look upon evil. And if he can't look on evil, then obviously God cannot actively tempt us with evil. So we have a verse such as that in James chapter 1 and verse 13, that God cannot tempt man with sin. But at the same time, we find in Genesis chapter 22 and in verse 1 that God tempted Abraham. That's when he told him to offer Isaac on Mount Moriah. And God ultimately ended up delivering him as he followed God's will and submitted to sacrificing Isaac before the Lord intervened. But what does that mean when God did tempt Abraham? Well, that simply means to test. And if you have a KJV Bible, the center column reference there in Genesis chapter 22 will give you that alternate translation. God did test Abraham. So we are mindful of the fact that God does not actively cause or initiate actions that lead us into temptation, but he does suffer it. He does allow it. The natural disposition of this world after the fall is temptation. The natural disposition of this world after the fall is evil. So we pray for God to protect us from it, right? We pray for God to deliver us from it. We pray for God to guide us in paths of righteousness. That's what David said in Psalm chapter 23. Lead me beside the still waters. Lead me in paths of righteousness for thy name's sake. Lord, I know that you are not going to actively guide me into a sinful situation, but at the same time, sinful situations can arise in my life. And Lord, by your spirit, by your providence, Lord, don't lead me into those situations. Lord, lead me in paths of righteousness, not in paths of evil. You know, we see that actually in the first chapter of the Psalms. We don't need to be led into the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. Instead, we need to focus on the Word of God. 
So we want God to guide and direct us into paths of righteousness. But we also have to be mindful of the fact that evil is the natural disposition of this world. There are bad things that happen here in this world by nothing more than being a human being and living and breathing and living life here on the sin-cursed planet Earth. And that's where so many people get the problem of evil wrong is there's this teaching out there that everything is good and anything that's not good is the exception. Well, no, that's not the correct disposition of this world. Instead, the Bible tells us that man's heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. All of mankind is totally depraved in sin. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. There's none righteous, no, not one. So where does good things come from? Well, James chapter one tells us that too, right after it says, God didn't tempt you with evil. It says a couple of verses later that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from God, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So where do good things come from? They come from God, okay? So many people have it exactly backward. They think the world is generally good and, and evil is the exception. Well, that's not true. The world is generally evil and good comes from God. So the natural disposition of this world is we're gonna encounter temptation, we're gonna encounter evil, and we pray, God, Lord, deliver me from that, protect me from that. And isn't it amazing to think about the fact, this is in John chapter 17, that Jesus prayed for us, his intercessory prayer in John chapter 17, one of the aspects of that intercessory prayer is Jesus is actively praying for us to be delivered from evil. John chapter 17 and in verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Sometimes we feel like it'd be better to just be in heaven. The Bible doesn't teach a secret rapture. The Bible describes the second coming of the Lord being a very public event. Everyone's gonna know about it. Every eye shall see him. So the scriptures don't teach a secret rapture, but every now and then, I wish it was true, right? <laughs> that the Lord would just take away all of the elect out of the wickedness of this world and we can just go immediately into heaven, you know, get promoted into heaven like Enoch did or Elijah. I mean, it'd be great for us to just leave the wickedness of this world. But Jesus said, I'm not praying that you should take them out of the world. That's kind of how we feel sometimes. Lord, just take me out of the world. No, Jesus Christ is not praying for the elect to take them out of the world. He says, I am praying though that thou, God the Father, he's praying to God the Father, that God would keep them from the evil. And I'll tell you, that's a pretty good description of this world. Keep them from the evil. And isn't that assuring to your soul to think about the fact that Jesus Christ is personally interceding and personally praying for you that God would keep you from evil? You know, the natural disposition of this world is temptation from Satan and evil and calamity and heartache and tribulation. And I'll tell you, we see that so clearly in the instance of Job. We see God removing his protective hedge for a divine purpose and according to his will, allowing Satan a degree to afflict Job and then later on to afflict his person. We see God removing his providential hedge a degree and look how bad things got so quickly when God removed his providential hedge. And that just needs to be an eye opener to us that if God is not actively protecting us, if he's not actively leading us, if God is not actively putting his providential hedge around us and Lord forbid if we act in a disobedient way where he removes that providential hedge to a degree, things are gonna get bad quick. And that's why we need to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Again, God's not gonna actively cause that temptation, 
But temptation is going to come in this world. And essentially you're saying, Lord, keep your providential hedge around me. That's really what you're praying. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm saying, Lord, please keep your providential hedge around me. Lord, protect me in a mighty, manifest way from the wickedness of this world. And we see that. We see that so many times in the Scripture, how God's people were in perilous conditions. It seemed like there was no hope and evil was going to win, but God triumphed. Why? Because he delivered them from the evil. And don't ever forget the fact that Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for God to deliver you from the evil. And even in the instance of Job, where God sees fit to remove his hedge for a period of time, and Job has an understanding in the midst of that, that when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. It was a testing. It was a challenging circumstance. And why does God remove his hedge from time to time? It's just like he did with Abraham. It's to test us. It's to challenge us. And hopefully we respond to that testing in a God-honoring way. And thankfully, we have the end of the story of Job. Job went through much heartache in the middle of the story when God removed that hedge, but God blessed him twice as much in the end as he did at the beginning. So we see that he was being purged. You know, that's what Jesus says in John chapter 15. Any branch that brings forth fruit, I'm going to purge it so it'll bring forth more fruit. That's what we see with Job. And we don't need to forget that when we're enduring tribulation. It doesn't mean we've done anything wrong. Job hadn't done anything wrong. Instead, he was doing everything right. That's who Satan is going to tempt the most. You see, we see that with Job. Satan wanted to get at Job because he, not because he was doing something wrong, because he was doing everything right. Okay, Job was right at the top of Satan's hit list. And if we're going to live righteously, if we're going to live godly, you're going to be on Satan's radar too. And if we're living godly in the manner that we ought to, and you're on Satan's radar, boy, we need to be praying this prayer every day, don't we? Lord, keep your providential hedge around me. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Lord, deliver us from evil. Protect your church. Lord, protect your people. Keep your providential hedge of protection around your people and triumph over the evil of this world. And then we have this closing doxology in the model prayer. We began our prayer with praise, and now we're going to close our prayer with praise. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And what's the very first focus of this closing praise doxology? For thine is the kingdom. You see, we're coming back to the kingdom. That's the very first thing we're out to pray for after we praise God, right? We praise God, and then we pray for the kingdom, and then we come back to the kingdom in our closing thoughts in prayer. For thine is the kingdom. Our concluding thoughts in prayer are very similar to those opening thoughts, praising God and a focus on his kingdom. You know, in the New Testament, particularly in the Gospel of Matthew, the kingdom of God is described as being the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven. And it's amazing to think about the fact that the blessing that we have in the church and the kingdom of heaven and other aspects of the kingdom as well, but particularly in the church. In the church, we literally have a little foretaste of heaven. We have a foretaste of glory divine, as it says in one of our Psalms. It is the kingdom of heaven. And this is a sliver, an earnest of our inheritance of the fullness of the blessings that we will have in full in heaven. And what a blessing. What a blessing that God has given us this kingdom. But we always need to be reminded of the fact that it's God's kingdom, right? For thine is the kingdom. It's not my kingdom. It's not my church. It's God's kingdom. And by the way, it's God's power and it's God's glory that not only established it, but sustains his kingdom. But what a blessing, what a privilege that God has given us this kingdom of heaven that we can experience 
a little foretaste of heaven. You know, we're going to be singing praise to God. Worthy is the Lamb for all of eternity. What a privilege that we get to sing here in the kingdom of heaven, praise unto him now, right? You know, that's a foretaste of heaven. We can sing worthy is the Lamb together here in the assembly of the saints. And when that soothes our soul and we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit manifest in a special way in the kingdom, that just gives us a sliver of what heaven's going to be like. And God is so good to give us this kingdom, to give us hope and encouragement of what we'll have in the future. It's God's kingdom. It's not our kingdom. And we need to be good stewards of God's kingdom. It's also God's power. For thine is the kingdom and the power. You know, when we pray unto God, it's very unfortunate, and I find this in my prayers as well. You may feel the same way in your prayers. Sometimes we pray very defeatist and say, well, Lord, this seems like a very bad situation. You know, the doctors have given a terminal report. The doctors say someone's going to pass away within a brief period of time. And Lord, if you can do anything, Lord, if you're not too busy in heaven, Lord, if you can do anything, could you please help us out? Well, we need to pray in faith, but we need to conclude our prayers with a confidence and a faith in God's power to answer the prayer we just prayed, right? We need to pray in faith, believing. The word power in the New Testament comes from dunamis or dynamite. God is in the heavens, okay? Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Sometimes we feel like that there's a limitation on God's ability to answer our prayers. This situation seems bad to me in a natural sense. So, well, Lord, I know this one will be tough for you, but maybe you can do something. I'll tell you, there is no circumstance that's even hard for the Lord. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Depending on the severity of the situation, we might have to put a lot more effort into something, a whole lot more sweat, a whole lot more time. It doesn't matter the magnitude of the situation. God's power just encompasses that, and he doesn't have to work any harder over what we would deem to be a difficult situation, okay? He doesn't have to work any harder. No, he just doesn't, right? Because he's sovereign, and he's done whatsoever he has pleased. We always need to be reminded in Ephesians chapter 3 and in verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And do you realize that? Do you realize what he just said there is the same power that answers these prayers that makes a sun stand still for 24 hours for Joshua, the same power that parted the Red Sea, the same power that slew 185,000 Assyrians, the same power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead, that same power works in us. Do you understand that? That same power of God resides inside every single child of God. Why? Because God resides inside of us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that the power of God, the magnitude of the power of God that has no limitations, do you realize that power resides in you? I'll tell you, that's powerful when you tap into that, right? And we don't need to pray defeatist prayers. We don't need to pray like, well, this situation's too bad, Lord. I just don't know what you're going to do. No, the same power that we see displayed in all of the scriptures, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the resurrected Jesus from the dead, that same power of God resides inside every single child of God and resides in the church, okay? There is no limitation to the power of our God. And we need to be reminded that that same power resides inside of us and pray with confidence to the God that has that power. For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, 
and also thine is the glory. And what's it all about anyway? Why did God create man for his glory? Why did God elect and predestinate a people unto heaven, to the adoption of children? Why did he do that? To the praise of the glory of his grace. We've been created for his glory and his honor and his worship and everything we ought to do in our life, whether we eat or drink, should be all done to the glory of God. God set aside the church. He set aside the assembly of the saints that we would be the place of God's glory throughout all ages, world without end, amen. And it's God's glory, okay? God is jealous over his glory and he will have his glory and we need to be jealous over God's glory and we need to close our prayers pointing toward his glory. You see how we began prayers praising and glorifying God and now we're concluding our prayers by extolling his glory, right? And both his kingdom and his power and his glory, they are forever, right? They are eternal. His kingdom is eternal and his power is eternal and his glory is eternal too. Praise God, we serve an eternal God. And how do we close our prayers? How do we close our prayers? He tells us to conclude our prayers with amen. Now, that's not just some vain repetition, okay? That's not just some traditional word that we use to close our prayers. The word amen literally means, so let it be, so let it be. So what we are saying when we conclude our prayers if we pray properly, Lord, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, give me what I stand in need of. Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Lord, forgive me. Lord, deliver me from evil. Lord, give me what I stand in need of. Yet again, when we conclude our prayers with amen, we're saying, Lord, your will be done. We're concluding our prayers with a submission and a resignation, a letting go of the rope, so to say. Lord, we've brought our prayers before you, and now I'm letting go of the rope, commending it over to you according to your will, so let it be. You see, this is not just some traditional word that we say in closing. It is a final submission to the will of God. Jesus actually takes the name of amen for himself. He describes himself as being the amen in Revelation chapter 3 and in verse 14. We're also told in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, the promises of God are in him or yea, and in him amen. Okay, so the promises of God are described as being amen. And we conclude our prayers with a reminder that God is in sovereign control over this world. We close our prayers by submitting to God's will, knowing that our Heavenly Father knows what we stand in need of here in this world. We trust Him in faith, and we commend our lives over to Him, saying, so let it be according to your will, O Lord. You see, that is what amen means. It's not just a vain repetition. We are saying, Lord, we've prayed according to your will. We've submitted to your will throughout the course of the prayer, but now we're letting go of the rope, commending it over to you, casting all our care upon you, Lord, because you care for us. And that's one of the biggest problems we have in prayer is praying, but then letting go of the rope, commending it over to him and truly trusting him to take care of the situation. There's a little poem that I keep in the back of my Bible because this has spoke to me so strongly and it describes my prayer life to a large degree. And it may describe some of your challenges in prayer as well in regards to not truly acting on amen, but maybe just saying the word. Amen is saying, Lord, I'm commending it over to you in faith, not I'm gonna continue to deal with it myself. I'm casting my care upon you. This is a little poem called Broken Dreams. As children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help 
with ways that were my own. At last I snatched them back and cried, Lord, how can you be so slow? My child, God said, what could I do? You never let them go. I don't want to read that for you again. My child, he said, what could I do? You never let them go. You know what amen is? Amen is saying, I'm letting go. I'm commending it over to you. I'm casting my care upon you. And that verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, casting all our care upon him, how can we have confidence and faith to cast our care upon God? Casting all our care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. That's why we start our prayers with our Father, right? That's why we start our prayer with our Father, which art in heaven, reminding ourselves that God is our heavenly Father, and God always, always has our best interest at heart. Even if we pray for God's will to be done, we submit to God's will, and we don't get what we want, we should still be able to say, Father knows best. <laughs> Father knows best. Why? Because he's eternal. His is the kingdom. His is the power. His is the glory. His is the wisdom too. But amen is letting go of that. Instead, my problem, as it says in that poem, is that I try to meddle with ways that were my own. See, that's my problem. I try to meddle in God's will instead of submitting to God's will. I try to bow down in prayer and I have a momentary release of a burden, but I gotta make sure when I get up off my knees, I've gotta make sure that I pick that problem back up and try to fix it right after I just prayed about it. <laughs> well, that's the wrong disposition in prayer, isn't it? No, you take it to the Lord and what do you do? You don't pick it right back up. You take it to the Lord and you leave it there. That's what amen is. Amen is saying, I'm giving it to the Lord. So let it be. I'm commending it over to your will. I'm trusting your power. I'm trusting your kingdom. I'm trusting your glory, knowing that if I seek the kingdom of God first and foremost, you're going to give me what I need. I know you're my heavenly father, and I know you're going to provide for my needs. We want to continue on some thoughts in prayer and some different aspects of that. And this will conclude our thoughts on the model prayer. We certainly hope they've been profitable for you and that we can all follow this pattern for the manner in which we need to bring our petitions before God. But prayer is not just about asking for what we need. It's about praising God. Prayer is an act of worship. Prayer is an act of worship. And we need to praise God, submit to God's will, and praise and extol Him in our prayers just as much as we hope to praise and extol Him in every other action of our life. May God bless you, and may God fervently bless your prayer life in communion with the Lord before the throne of grace. May God bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast, entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. 
You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the grace of Jesus.